Hello, world, and thank you for joining me today. This is Shelley Shearer, and you are listening to the podcast Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, where I focus on not living in regret and forming high functioning habits. I want to inspire you to transform your thoughts for a happier and higher functioning life. We are what we think, and we get lost in limiting beliefs. We don't eat well, we don't take charge of our money, manage our commitments, and then wonder why we are stressed, overweight, in pain, and unhappy with our lives. I haven't met anyone that can't change their mind. That's why I always say, see you on the flip side, as I want to journey with you on coming out the other side. Side of what you might ask? Well, that's up to you. Hello world, Shelly Shearer here and welcome to the show. Oh, I've got some emotional stuff to share today. It's just been a crazy roller coaster of the last 10 days. And although I really try and keep this very uplifting and on point and to, you know, to help you think outside the box and to help you change your mind and have higher functioning habits and not live in regret. Sometimes maybe I just need to speak some truth and maybe you will see something in it for you. Really emotional roller coaster, like I said, the last few days. So this is what's been going on in my life. Just came back from vacation. So we leave to vacation. I live in the lower mainland of British Columbia, Canada, and my family um, which, uh, is someplace I lived as a small child. So it's sort of kind of my second home has a home in an area called Penticton, which is our Okanagan Valley. And for any wine people out there, if you follow any of the wine regions around the world in Canada, next to the East in Niagara Falls and those areas, it is a very large, become a very large wine country up there. But for many, many years, it simply was fruit country. Lake country and fruit country, that's where you go up to Penticton in in the Okanagan Valley. There's multiple lakes, multiple small towns, and it's all about the water skiing and the camping and the the fruit picking and that sort of thing. So it has changed over the years, but you're kind of following what I'm saying here. It is a, it actually is a desert up there, but with all the lakes and everything and the rivers, it, it has incredible fruit growing um, potential. And that's what it is. It's, it's just a wonderful place to be. So we headed up to our place in Penticton. Now, the home that we stay in, our family home, is a second is a vacation home uh, for our family, and it is not air conditioned, and it gets to be like forty degrees up there. Not really sure why my parents never put it in, but they just never did. So over the last few years, we kind of haul around portable air conditions conditioners throughout the house and gimmick them up to windows. And so, the reason I mention this is going there isn't an easy vacation to begin with. It isn't like it's super relaxing. There's actually a fair bit of work to get the house where you can kind of live in it. And also for me, it's a very busy time because I have a lot of friends in that area and that's where I spend that week is just filled with them coming to visit and spending time with us, which I love, but can be really exhausting. There's no two ways about that. And as I've mentioned the last few months in my podcast, I am really struggling right now in getting some balance in my life. Just a lot of things are causing stress and I'm really struggling with that. In fact, after I do this podcast, I'm gonna do my next one, which is a little more uplifting and I'm gonna talk about putting a a particular high functioning habit in place, exactly how I'm going to do that. I'm gonna walk you through that because I have to make some changes in my week. But right now we're just gonna talk about some of the emotional stuff. So. There's, it's like this, it's like this dichotomy up there. I love the Okanagan Valley. I love being there, but the house is super old and run down with no air conditioning, but it is 
seven minutes from the lake. And we keep a little old boat up there and we have this whole crew of friends, like I said, that come visiting, but also we have a whole crew of friends here in our own neighborhood that go up there for their vacation. So we meet at the lake. So we go back to our house at night, they're in other campgrounds or hotels or whatever, but we all meet on the lake every day and it's, it's just lovely. But the problem with one week is it's just not long enough to kind of do the, to get golfing and go wine tasting. There's just too much to pack into just seven days. And we had to come home early from our vacation by three days because my youngest niece got married, which I'll go into in a minute. So here's the vacation. As with any time, and anybody that's probably employed can relate to this. And if you're self-employed, you can definitely relate to this. The week before, you're going crazy because you know you're going to be away from your clients for a week. So the, the week is just insane. Well, the day before we left on vacation, I got super sick with an allergic reaction to food. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, I have to be a little careful with spicy food. It doesn't agree with my metabolism. And something put my tummy off that day. Uh, and I just wasn't feeling that great anyways. And for lunch, I put a curry sauce over some rice. So one of my wonderful clients that I do on usually Thursday, but it was doing them Wednesday, have an au pair that they've hired to work in their home to look after their three kids and, and help out because they're growing their business. Well, <clears throat> this lovely lady loves to feed all of us. And so we kind of get spoiled and get lunch provided when we're at work that day. There's myself and a couple of other workers. Excuse me. I know better than to eat curry unless it's very, very small amount and I reacted to it. In fact, I was so sick from it that night when I got home. If I didn't have fibromyalgia, I would have gone to emergency. That's how bad it was. You couldn't palpitate my lower abdomen. Um, I wasn't throwing up, didn't have diarrhea, uh, but I just, just blew up like I was five months pregnant and you couldn't touch me. That took three days to work through my system. So if you ever wonder if you're eating things, like for instance, I'm a celiac and when I eat bread, it bloats me up and makes me sick. And it takes, I always joke that three days, I'll be sick for three days because you do need, the food needs to get through your system and your tissues in your body that you have now annoyed need to heal and the inflammation needs to go down. Well, this particular food did this for me. So we need to pack up and get going and I'm in a daze. Just, I am, you know, I had to be medicated for the pain and to help me sleep. Thursday we pack up. So we get up there and of course we're looking at our, our stuff going, we forgot this, we forgot that. It's like, oh, whatever. You just kind of got to roll with it. No one got angry or mad. We, my husband and I are way past that with some of our memory issues these days, but we just kind of resigned ourselves to it. Well, the first thing that happened was we have a very elderly dog. She's 14 and she's not taking well to car travel any longer. We've had a couple of instances where uh, I've taken her, you know, to the vet. My vet boards her when we go on vacation last November and she got really sick the first day or two. I took her to the vet last month just accompanying me in the car with the cat because she tends to keep the cat calmer. Hasn't been in a car all this time because we don't take her out with us anymore. She doesn't enjoy it like she did when she was younger. And she walked right into my, my vet's office and diarrhea all over the floor. And I was just mortified. And the girls are like, oh, Shelly, she does this all the time. It's fine. I'm like, she does what? So I guess she gets sick every time she goes there and they hadn't told me. So they're really efficient. They clean it up. It's no problem. Well, now here we are a couple months later, we take her in the car for this five hour drive and we wake up Friday morning to her upstairs where the air conditioning was and there is diarrhea from one end of the house to the other. She tried to get out and we just didn't hear us. You could see at the back door, you could see where she was getting sick and 
Oh, I was like, that took three hours, three hours to clean that up. So that's how our vacation started with me having allergic reaction and sick and the dog being sick as a dog. So the second night we thought we were okay, or maybe we put her in the garage. Yes, we put her in the garage and she got sick in the garage. We had to clean that up. Okay, we're good. Now let's get on to some beach time. Friday, three hours. We're setting up. We've forgotten stuff. We're getting air conditioning. It's a huge setup. It's half a day to set the place up to even make it livable. We do a bunch of cleanup. My mom's a bit of a hoarder, so we always have to kind of work around some stuff and get some things straightened out. And uh, company arrives at one o'clock and we're just on now for the whole day and the whole next day. Next group of company arrives. <laughs> they're there till Monday. And they're easy people to be around. Do not get me wrong. I love my friends. But you can see where... If you've got kind of health issues and you kind of started behind the eight ball, you're looking for a little more rest and relax relaxation. So by Tuesday, I crash. That's just been, I've been going flat out since the previous week. And it's like, we were all supposed to go golfing. I get up in the morning and I'm in full fibro, what we call fibro flare. My feet and hands, you can hardly touch me. And I'm like, I got to rest today. I can't do anything. So I'm thinking I'm going to have to bow to golf. And as I get myself upstairs, there's already messages waiting for me. The whole crew bowed, bowed out of golf because we had been on the um, river, the, the well, it's called a canal. You get on these inner tubes and you spend this three hours going through from one lake to another. Um, Penticton sits between two lakes in the Okanagan Valley. And it's great, but you're out in that heat and you're drinking cocktails, which I don't tend to drink alcohol during the week very often. So just a lot of things that, you know, are kind of out of my normal regime. And we're going to talk about that as well, too, because that's been a lot of things have been out of whack for me with my regime, including my yoga and my exercise, my meditation, my self-care, my downtime, my stress. All of it's just been unmanaged, not being managed, maybe not unmanageable, but just not being managed like I have been managing it for a long time. So Tuesday I crash. Well, everyone crashes. But the thing was, my poor husband, he was the only one that was still gung-ho to go because that's how he rolls. He just keeps going. He's a trooper. However... The night before, without thinking, he takes a salad dressing out of my mom's fridge where she keeps everything up there for a billion years. Like I said, bit of a hoarder and didn't check the expiration date. <laughs> well, didn't think too much about it. It didn't really taste bad to him. Us girls had a different oil and vinegar dressing that we had bought that day at the market. So we we're like, hey, nope, he wants his, you know, ranch. No problem. Tuesday, we all canceled cancel golf. So him and my girlfriend, who are very, very dear friends, we jokingly call her his other wife. I send them off. <laughs> Why don't you guys go look at some houses? Because we're, we're house hunting up there for, you know, few, we've been house hunting up there for years. Just we just know the right property when it's time will fall in our lap. But so far, yeah, just having timing obviously isn't right. So I send them off shopping. I said, you can go wine tasting, whatever. But apparently what happened was they came back to the house when I was sound asleep downstairs and they went through the fridge and literally threw out everything that had expired and all the junk and oh, it was amazing. So later that evening, I come upstairs and it's like, you need to open the fridge, Shelly. And it was like, where'd everything go? When I went to bed in the morning, you couldn't put one more thing in the fridge. You couldn't have fit a bottle of Gatorade in there. And when I came back, there was a shelf empty. <laughs> it was like, what happened to everything here? Well, the reason I mentioned this is because of this. Tuesday night, my husband, we have a second round of company that comes down, but they come down late because they're going to spend the night because the next day is a beach and boat day for us. And we're going to watch the snowbirds at another friend's um, penthouse. We have uh, family friends as well that, uh, that own property up there. And I'm very excited about that. And, and so are these friends from Kelowna because... 
they're they're right on the other lake and you're literally the snowbirds are right there in front of you and it's just it's just like being in the movie top gun it's really really exceptional and i hadn't seen these people for a while so all of it was just very lovely well unfortunately <laughs> we're not sure what kind of happened but oh i sorry I'm getting ahead of myself. My husband was drinking that night and being social. And when he drinks, he snores something terrible. And he lost his nose plug he wears for snoring. He lost it on the first night. I wear earplugs. He has to wear a nose plug now for his sleep apnea, which is brand new. And he hates it. And he's not, he's just not in that regime right now. He's, he's got some health issues and we're, we're trying to work through it. So I sleep upstairs because now my, one of my nieces has left and her bed's available. So I go upstairs and said, I'll have a quiet night up here. So when I go downstairs in the morning, the bathroom is a mess. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, the dog has had another accident or has barfed or something. I walk into his, into our bedroom downstairs. He has been up all night with food poisoning. And he, he's like, I said, are you sure it's food poisoning? He goes, I've had it before, honey. I know what it, he's right. We all know what food poisoning is. You want to die. I think I'd almost rather give birth again than have food poisoning. It's just coming out both ends and you want to truly die. If you've never had it, stick, knock on wood. If you have, you know exactly what I mean. But usually it works its way out of your system in 24 to 48 hours. Unfortunately, because of my husband's health issues, he is sort of run down and not really looking after himself these days. It's kind of an issue <laughs> that we're dealing with in our marriage. And I don't think he had a lot of reserves. So this kicked his butt. So the next day we leave him, he's keeping some water down. So we don't worry about getting to emergency. I mean, we all know the protocol and I take my friends whose husband luckily owns a boat as well. And we, we get the boat in the water and have a lovely quiet day by the, by the, um, by the lake. So we come home that night. I'm exhausted. We go out. He's still sick. My other girlfriend's now leaving back to home and the other friends drop me off at nighttime. And, and now we have the house to ourselves finally by Wednesday and he is still sick. It's like, oh no. So we get through the night and the next morning he's feeling not too bad, good enough that he feels he can get away from a washroom and he comes to the lake for a few hours. But that night again, he is full on again on the Thursday night. Now on Friday, we phone the hospital and what, in Canada, we have this cool thing called 811 and you can get a nurse and I just say, okay, this is what's going on. What do I need to do? He really needed an IV or something and maybe some blood work at this point, just in case. She talks us through it. We go to the, I go to the drugstore. He hasn't thrown up in six hours, get some Pedialyte, get him all rehydrated. As long as he's not throwing up anymore, even if the diarrhea is still there, they're not too concerned unless you are dehydrating and he hadn't thrown up in six hours. And so the nurse just said, you got, you have to drink liters of water, not sipping on it. You've got to fully replace what's, you know, you're coming out the other end. These are really good health tips, by the way. And, and then really, I do have to advise that perhaps you might want to go to the hospital. Well, my husband's a bit stubborn. He didn't want to do that, but we got everything else handled, like she said, and away we go. But he now can't travel. He's not well enough to travel. He's just, he's just, he can hardly stand up. Actually, he's so weak. He now hasn't eaten for three days. He's lost 17 pounds and because he got on a scale and, um, and we're trying to get water into him. Why is this important? Because the next day is my niece, my youngest niece's wedding. And I needed to be, we needed to be home for that. 
and we were supposed to leave Friday night. So now we're making plans. Do I fly home? Do I steal the truck and drive all the way back up there to get him, you know, in a couple days? We have other friends that had an extra vehicle. You know, one of their teenage kids came up separate from them. Another group of friends were leaving home on Monday. He could have just gone home with them if he, he could handle it. We had, we had, you know, we're so fortunate. Friends are just your tribe, guys. And that's part of the reason I want to talk about this is talking about your tribe. Emotional stuff we're going to talk about and your tribe because these, this is what helps get you through life. Now, some people are very fortunate that, that their family is their tribe. Mine is not. And I don't say that really at this point with too much bitterness. I've dealt with a lot of these issues in my life. I have one younger sister that's four years younger. The family is her tribe. Her and my parents have lived together their whole lives. They've never moved off this acreage that they own. She's got three children. They're all raised now and are marrying. So, And then she's got four grandbabies. And she's not super social like I am. So she has a very tight-knit group of people. And just like my parents did with them, their children are, you know, friends and playmates and, and companions to them. So they're a very tight-knit group. I am not part of that. So I made my own tribe very young in my life with friends that are like family. And I am very fortunate. But sometimes you lose sight of that. Or we can lose sight of that, which will come up as well. The good thing was, bless my husband's heart, he's, I was like, I had given up that I was going to miss the ceremony, but I'd be there for the reception. And he's like, no, you are not missing your niece walking down the aisle. We get up Saturday morning, we get out of there. I had done, I had done all the prep work on Friday, which I don't normally do. That's the thing. I have a husband that's, you know, I do inside, he does outside, but he couldn't do any of it. So our friends came and got the boat put away for me, backed it up. Like I say, he was almost delirious on Thursday. So that's why we had to finally, you know, make decisions about how to handle this. Um, so I'm doing all of this stuff. Well, it exhausts me and now I'm kind of behind the eight ball. But Saturday morning, he was able to drive. He was tired, but he got us home with 20 minutes to spare. I did my makeup in the truck, <laughs> ran into the house here, curled my hair, put on a sundress, ran down to my parents' property because that's where the wedding was and was there early enough to give a hand. But it was raining and we had to delay and they didn't make any concessions for rain. So my poor little niece was having a bit of a meltdown and it was just very it's stressful being the bride. Now, it's funny in my family, my youngest niece, who is not an extrovert at all and cannot stand being the center of attention. So totally my opposite personality in that aspect is the most like me when it comes to control and OCD a little bit. She had a vision in her head of how this wedding needed to look. And then when it wasn't quite unfolding the way, it, you know, why is this refreshments late? Why is it raining? What's She was struggling a little bit and trying to run things from the bridal position. At which point, I made her cry a little bit. I had to walk up to her and say, no, Auntie, sorry that I have to make this emotional. But sweetheart, your only job today is to be the bride. That's your only job. I will look after finding out what happened to the refreshments. You know, I'm just trying to reassure her, talking her off a ledge. You go get your pictures done. And when you get back, everything will be as you wanted it. And she was great. She started, had a little cry. She's okay, Shelly, okay. But she had to remember in that moment, again, back to emotions, that she, she had a job that day and that was to be the bride. That was it. And the only thing that we really can control in our lives is our reaction to things. 
And it's a tough one. And sometimes it can be a matter of someone else just kind of setting you straight. I was able to help her there. My coach helped me this morning. He phoned me right out of the blue. I kind of laid out, I had sent a quick message about something uh, we normally call on Wednesday. And I sent back a, hey, so here's my last three days. And he's like, I'm calling you. <laughs> he gave me 30 minutes of time and advice and just encouragement and really kind of got me back on track. And again, this is why having a tribe is important. And that tribe doesn't necessarily have to be all the heartfelt, super, super emotional family stuff. Sometimes you need to go out and search for other people, coaches, mentors. They can come and go in your life. Let them serve their purpose and let them go sometimes. But know that those things are important. Okay? So the wedding was wonderful. But after she left, a little bit disorganized. I'm a bit of a control freak. I just laid myself at everyone's mercy. Just tell me what to do. Point me in the right direction. I was in charge of nothing and I hadn't helped accept anything, you know, with the wedding plan. So I'm just a guest. I'm showing up, but put me to work. I'm here for two hours before the reception. And I went flat out. So glad I could be there to do that. It, the wedding was beautiful. My sister's, my sister's brother-in-law, who is actually a pastor and married them. And this is the second child that he's married. So you see how we've kind of kept it all in the family. It's just very, it's just very, Emotional is not the word I'm looking for. It's just it's just a wonderful thing to have all of this contribution is maybe the word I'm looking for. And he's got children that have just been raised brilliantly in a lot of ways. And they're just givers. They're like they have gifts of service and their parents say, hey, you go help. They go help. So they're setting tables. They're setting up this. You know, they take direction really well. I can be a bit bossy. <laughs> they were wonderful. Brent and Michelle's kids were just amazing. And we got this place when the bride and groom came back. I'm pretty sure it should have looked exactly like her Pinterest picture in her head. It was country casual. My brother-in-law and new son-in-laws built an entire post and beam fake church. So just imagine if you were going to build a church with the trusses were all there in, in, in hewed wood without a roof or walls. It looked amazing. I've never seen anything like it. My brother-in-law is very, very talented. He has completely got a gift of craftsmanship. Um, just 100% he does. And it looked unbelievable. And of course, being handy, he has taken out a new power line to the out to the property. This is 20 acres we're talking about here, guys. And 10 of it's very usable land. So this whole thing is lit with lights and there's a chandelier hanging and there's a gazebo at the front for the bride and groom at least to be dry. Rest of us are under umbrellas <laughs> um, for about 20 minutes. And it was just, it was amazing. So seeing all this perfection in a lot of ways, I mean, nothing's perfect, but there was, there was just so much joy there, despite all the little hangups. Now, back to the emotional roller coaster. My dad has quite severe dementia and he's had a stroke, which um, makes, these, makes dementia even worse. So if you've got it and then have a stroke, or sometimes a stroke will cause dementia. So he doesn't have Alzheimer's. He knows who we all are, but he really doesn't have any control over his thought process anymore. He cannot remember anything, ask the same thing over and over. It's like there's a break in his brain. And he's now getting bad enough that he's getting aggressive and belligerent. And unfortunately, the family yet has not quite yet decided what to do about it. My mom's his caretaker, and he's on no medication to help with these outbursts. And he had a bad day. The reason I mention that is because I realized later that all of these compounded things is what brought on my breakdown later in the evening. We had to, we, it took 
all my, and I look after my parents in events like that. This is my sister's show. There was no way we were going to distract from the fact that Hannah was the star and this was my sister's day with her children. I'm the daughter now. I will look after the parents. That's totally the role I play in the family and I'm great with that. Um, I'm a daddy's girl, so daddy tends to respond to me a little better, but now he's just, now he's just aggressive. So it took all my energy to deal with them. And my husband was able to come to the reception, uh, come down and was able to stay for a couple hours. He thought he was going to have to go home. He was feeling very weak, but he wasn't being sick. So he stayed and he helps because my dad knows who he is. My mom literally had to take him off the property to go to McDonald's for coffee to calm him down. And when he came back, it was like a reset. But before then, he got so belligerent and so aggressive and loud and not knowing what was going on and accepting anything. I'm going back to my house. I'm not having pictures. I'm not, I don't care if it's her wedding. This is about me. And it's kind of funny because the reason I want to mention this part is I got angry and wanted to hit my father for the first time in my life. I don't have a temper like that. My sister and I used to joke when we were younger, she flies off the handle and she's got a husband that has kept her calm for since she was 16 years of age. He's Bradley's amazing when it comes to dealing with her. I'm the opposite. My husband has to deal with over emotional. I will cry. I get, I get vested. I get hurt super easy. And I've really had to work on that in my life and choose how I want to keep reacting to situations. So all of this leading up to this day was just emotional overload. And even with all my high functioning habits, even with all my um, safeguards and stuff in place, I got taken down by my, my emotions. No two ways about it. I realized the next day that I really, I've lost my father and that is devastating to me. So I felt very out of place at the wedding, a little segue here, just being, I feel like, I always feel like an outsider in my family because we're none of us are close and keep in communication any other time. It's family events and, and things. So I, I feel like a bit of an outsider. My husband and I are struggling with some stuff and he had to leave anyways. My son is in you know Mexico studying. So my children are not there or my granddaughter. And, um, but what was amazing just on the positive note was how much love was in that event. My brother and sister-in-law, my sister and brother-in-law married when my sister was 19. And they are still together and they are a very loving couple together. He still adores her. He still treats her. He's still romantic. You just can see it. And you can see it in my eldest niece and her new husband from a year and a half ago. Jono just adores my niece and, you know, they walk, they touch, there's concern. There's no attacking. And now my youngest niece is marrying her very best friend. Um, and that was all of it. And of course, on the other side of the family, on my on my brother-in-law's side with the with the um, pastor, and those parents, by the way, have been friends of ours since we were kids. So Angela married into a family, my sister, who as children we knew the family very well. They were very dear friends of my parents. So it's kind of been really wonderful over the years. Phil and Marg have always, even when I was a single mother for years, always included in me in everything the Smith family did, you know, Easter dinners, things like that. It was wonderful. And we haven't, it's just been a really nice, nice um, dynamic. So all of these people there are literally just in joy. And so many couples there that are truly in love and express love, a lot of good, healthy relationships. You can't help but feel that energy. However, if you're feeling disjointed yourself, that can cause emotional backlash. And for me, it did. For the first time in years, I had such incredible jealousy for what was going on down there 
that it really bothered me. It's like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I have a wonderful life. I made my choices. I have a good tribe. But it was all of it on top of each other. My father got aggressive with me. He almost ruined the ceremony. As it turned out, just before they walked down the aisle, he wandered off and went and sat in a lawn chair about 30 feet from the ceremony and we left him there. I just said to my mom, you have got to leave him there. She didn't want to. That he will speak right out loud and ruin Hannah's wedding because there was no controlling him. None whatsoever. Well, just before the end of the ceremony, as they're really just about to be introduced as bride and groom, he gets up and starts wandering towards all of us. There's about 50 of us at this wedding. And I get tapped on the shoulder. Shelly, there's your dad. Go deal with her. So I go out and ask him what he's, you know, quietly, Daddy, what's going on? He needed to get to my mom. My dad cannot be away from my mom for about, he has about a two-minute window and about 30 feet distance. Very frustrating. <laughs> and he's, remember, he's still in the belligerent mood. So he starts, I'm questioning him, saying, could we just stay here for a few minutes? This is almost over. And he's, what's going on here? I need mommy. I says, well, you can't have her right now, and you need to be very quiet. There's a wedding going on. He was having none of it. He started to escalate and pushed me. So he's getting physical now, and uh, I, I just had to stand back. Now, the only good thing is my dad walks so slow, but he was angry. He attacked me. He attacked my mom earlier, like verbally, I mean. Um, and he did touch me physically and it was like, I'm not cool with that. But he is, he's got some issues that have to, you know, that have to be dealt with. Well, luckily he was so slow, but I just couldn't engage him because that was just escalating him. That by the time he got to the edge of the wedding, they were being introduced and walking out. Oh, thank heavens. But everyone turned when he had his little episode, but it was so small. So all of this, all this emotional stuff in, in a you know one week period, all of this in one day. I had a wonderful time at the wedding, but I exhausted myself. So now I'm in pain. I've done too much. And by 8.30, dinner's over. The speeches were hilarious. Dancing starts. My husband's gone home sick. I'm there and I can't walk on my hip. I sneak out. You know, my parents now, it's time to send them home because we need daddy out of there. It's 8.30. It's way past his bedtime. And he's starting to get odd again. So we needed to get him home. He was confused and didn't know, didn't know where he was. And this is a really difficult thing. So if anyone listening to this, you, if, you've, are you, if you're dealing with older and sick parents, it is very, very challenging. What's more challenging in my family is that no one has made plans. No one made plans in advance. My parents made no decisions about what they wanted and no one wants to do anything now. So you have to remember as well, again, how you react to things. Not my monkey, not my circus. You cannot make people do what you want them to do. My mom, there's a million things. I've got a list of things. She cannot make a decision to save her life and my sister's not very aggressive. So if they're just letting it play out and all of these bad things keep happening. Um, again, you're, you, you can react to this very emotionally or you can kind of stand back. I have got to stand back or I will make myself sick. But seeing my daddy like that and knowing that he, this, we took everything to get him into the pictures, that this might be the last time that this will be something he'll ever attend uh, and be part of like this. This picture in Hannah's wedding of the family picture, we all kind of agreed this could kind of be it because he is very close to having to go into a home. Just up and down, up and down. But what got me very upset when I said I wanted to hit him was how I reacted to his belligerence. My patience, granted I was overtired and my husband's got health issues, not just not just the food poisoning. He, he, the food poisoning is five days long because of his health issues. He had nothing to fight it with. And 
it's a bit of a contentious issue in our marriage. And then I see my dad behaving this way and I'm usually quite patient with him. Actually, I'm very patient with him. I had no patience because he, that part of him that hurt me when I was younger, I know this is kind of bringing up the past. My dad is a control freak and his pride is something else. And he's also a religious man from, you know, the 1950s who believe women should do as they're told and children should be seen and not heard. Now, he was always a very loving father in lots of other ways, but the bottom line is his way, the highway. I was disowned at 18 and I was disowned again at 20. And I was kicked out of the house at 18, disowned at 21 when I got pregnant outside of marriage. He, his pride couldn't take it. He couldn't control the situation. So he just cut me out of his life and kicked me out. I see that behavior now in his belligerence. We've all gotten past that years ago, by the way, as you can imagine. But now that he is regressing and his, his mental cap capacity is diminished, that all about him, it's all about me, you will do as I say, you'll get out of my way, you'll just be quiet, is so overt that I got so angry. It was, honestly, it was everything I could do not to slap him across the face and say, shut the freak up. Like, you will not speak to me or mother or anybody like that, but you can't. He's sick. But it brought up this huge emotional response. That as well was really tough to deal with because it came up before I could even think about controlling it. It just came out of nowhere. So by 8.30, everyone's on the dance floor. I sneak off and I barely make it to my car before I am bawling my eyes out. Now, a couple things happened. I had some wine with dinner. That hasn't been working really well for me lately. In case of, if any of you suffer with emotional issues, alcohol is one of the worst things you can use in your body. It is a depressant. And if you are kind of edgy about something or you're trying to cope, alcohol is not how you should be self-soothing, okay? And I did. I had a couple glasses of wine. And for whatever reason, yes, it did that night. It affected me. I could feel it. I could feel the overwhelmingness. By the time I got home, I could feel my depression just, like, I just wanted to take a pill, go to sleep, and never wake up. I'm not going to lie. And I know people have trouble hearing that. It was funny. In my adulthood, sometimes when I say I just felt like killing myself, people look at me like I need to be institutionalized. and Because I guess other people don't think that way. But I have always had thoughts like that because that's I suffer with depression. Our family, my mom's side of the family, this is a weakness in our gene pool. I have always found ways of coping with it. I have used medication. And this is where my coaching and my ebook and everything has come from because in my life I wanted to live, succeed, and be happier more than I wanted to give in and give up. Always, no matter what happened to me, I stood back up and I found high functioning ways of dealing with the issues in my life. Every time. Doesn't mean it happened overnight. But I can look back now on 35 years and go, oh, oh yes. Plus, I'm very fortunate to have friends that have been in my life, some of them for 45, 40, 50 years. They have really good perspective on me. So they are able as well to give me that feedback, part of my tribe. Nothing is perfect. And because you fail, you know, one day not reacting well to that emotional response doesn't mean that you don't try again the next day. It's like working out at the gym, like me right now with my yoga and stuff, but I'm gonna save that for the next podcast because there's some really vital points I wanna make there. So couple this with now I've come home, my husband's downstairs watching TV, 
I go to sleep. I don't see him till the morning. And quite honestly, I'm not really in a great place <laughs> at this point. Sunday morning comes up and my husband's like, what is going on with you? And I don't react very well to it. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Please don't touch me. And we sort of get into it. So we're kind of having some stress right now. Again, how you react emotionally. We actually need to go to our corners and figure some stuff out. But I still have this huge part of me right now that wants to make everything okay. Like I said, my husband's dealing with some, some health issues. They are going to become serious quickly at his age. And he's ignoring them. It is very upsetting to me. It causes me a huge amount of stress watching this goes on. And it's kind of dragging my life down a fair bit because I'm worrying about it. That energy energetically is always in my face. And I'm not getting sort of my balance because of this. I need to learn to react that the only person here I have to worry about is me. And I'm not really angry at him. Usually you're angry at yourself because you're putting up with a behavior you know you shouldn't be putting up with. It isn't about the other people. It's really about how you react to the situation. What, how are you choosing to react? Because let me tell you, you know, one day it's like, I just want to divorce him and get him out of my life. And the next morning I'm in tears because it's like, I miss him so much. <laughs> we slept apart that night and it's like, but I can't make it all right. I have the, the ability, quite a magnificent ability to cave when emotions are involved. I always cave. I cave with my family. I cave with my husband. <laughs> Never caved with my kid. I must say I was a bit of a hard ass when I raised him. So I guess that there's certain places, but I have been caught in emotional situations, even in my professional life, many times. Now, it's funny. I make, I make this qualification, guys, because I actually have a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> was it me that was called the Barracuda or my mother? No, she was the Dragon Lady. When I was in my late 20s, early in my 30s, when I had clientele that when I was starting my, in my uh, accounting business, people hire me for full service. I just don't go in and do, you know, bookkeeping. I'm helping running their businesses as far as financially. You're there for advice. You're there for moral support. You know all the staff. You're part of their business. I've, I can't tell you the amount of times when I've had graphic design clients where I've sat and looked at all the layouts and given my feedback. Um, you're there as emotional support because you also become friends with all of them. And part of the issues with that is they hire, sorry, one of the things that a lot of people rely on me for is dealing with the government because a lot of self-employed entrepreneurs are really good at what they do, but they're really crappy at business. So maybe a long story short, that's why they hire someone like me. They're really crappy at that part and people don't like confrontation. Well, I don't really either, but the bottom line is I don't run from it. It just takes its toll from me later. So I kind of had this nickname in my, in my uh, late 20s, early 30s. They called me the Barracuda, some of my clients, because they would walk into a room and listening to me deal with the CRA. And I just, you know what? They're just civil servants and I don't put up with their guff and they, they're not the law law. It's some, a lot of things are interpretation and communication and you just need to deal with that. But they'd be like, oh, I'm a little scared of your her. <laughs> whatever. So they paid me to deal with these types of frustrations because they don't want to and they can't. I spend a lot of my time working with creative people, by the way. I am not that way. I am very analytical. So I, I deal with that at work. And yet later in life, in my mid thirties, when I was a controller for a company, I had an employee, we merged and this gentleman just, he just was confrontational in the office all the time. And 
it's funny because we got into a yelling match right in the hallway once because he was not, he was a sales rep that was a prima donna and he was not getting his way. And uh, I put my foot down and just said, that was it. I have the authority and this is how it's going to roll. <laughs> and I go back to my office, but I go back to my office, close the door and I start to cry. Well, there was this young lady that worked in the office that didn't knock. She kind of just gently knocked and opened the door before she got my permission. And she was stunned. She says, I don't get this. You're always so strong. And you've just been like, I actually oversaw the, this entire renovation for this business to join and, and the renovation for the building. I don't even know how I get myself into this stuff. I oversaw that whole renovation. And these people witnessed that me managing project, managing this renovation and doing, and doing the, um, the bookkeeping for the one of the companies. And she goes, what's going on? I says, well, sweetie, that all takes a toll on me. So if you could just step out of my office, please, I need to let this out and then I will be fine in an hour or two. But I got to the point in my 30s now, I recognize that about myself. It's never going to stop for me. And it may not ever stop for you. My emotions are always going to be my go-to reaction. The difference is con you know, having control and knowledge about it and ensuring that I don't do damage. You know, my husband is very angry today and I could be engaging him. Not going to happen. He is hurt and it is my job right now to let him work through that hurt. I got to work through all my tears on the weekend. Now he gets to work through his anger. That is all part of emotional maturity and dealing with the things in our lives. Okay? So I really just wanted to sort of share this with you today. Maybe it's just me venting and it's personal, but I hope you can maybe relate to part of it. There's very few people in my life that I meet out there, especially younger people that haven't had a lot of experience that don't struggle in this area. Most, most people like to do the blame thing where, you know, he's making me feel this way. No, you're, you're choosing to feel this way. You need to remove yourself from those emotions. And lots of times we don't. We simply do not step back and sort of own it. Not really sure where to go with that. It kind of leads into something else, but I don't want to get into that right now because it also sort of, the, the, the stepping back part is again about the next podcast on high functioning habits and about this new habit I'm going to form because it's not, it's never, how should I say this? It's never the, it's never the issue in front of you that's the problem. You know, the, the bandaid you're emotionally putting on a situation, it's usually something two steps back. That's why I created the 135 rule. And one of these days I'm going to expand on that and blog on it or do a small ebook on it. Because there's lots of things in life that have a one-to-one -one relational, you know, cause and effect. But there are a lot of other types of things that you need to take two steps back to see how that's going to play out three steps forward. When I was building my house years ago and designing it, it was more of the five steps. How will these things play out in five different directions if I make this decision or if I react to that? It can be physical, it can be concrete, and it can be emotional, okay? And lots of times when we're in the middle of the situation, that's really not what we're angry about, hurt about. It's usually something prior, and it's just a trigger. Sometimes there is something right in front of you. Again, you need to choose. Now, please, I do have to make this caveat right here. This is not about abuse, okay? I have been in an abusive situation. It was an ex-fiance, had him arrested for assault. We are not talking about when you are feeling threatened physically or emotionally being abused. We are just talking about the regular parts of life that cause emotional reactions, emotional damage from childhood. We all have it. I'm sorry. There is no way your parents could have raised you perfectly. 
because they're doing the best they can with what they have and they may not have learned a lesson that they needed to learn to raise you in a manner that might have omitted that particular scar. They learned what their parents taught them and so on and so on, okay? So, mu so much more we can go on this with and I will actually probably revisit this again soon because I'm going to share a little more over the next few weeks, or even a few days, what's sort of going on with me uh, and how I'm reacting to it. And that, I hope, will help some, some of you. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you again for joining me today. And remember to focus on not living in regret. I invite you to subscribe to my show so you don't miss a thing. You can reach me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at either High Functioning Habits or Living Well with Shell. And I invite you to leave a rating on my show about what you like best or message me with something you'd like me to speak on next. Remember, willpower will only get you so far, then you better have a plan.